Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green. And I'm Peter Constantin. And today we are coming from my office where we generally do this. Uh, the difference is, hey, I'm going to take a, a, I'm going to call an audible. Audible? We're going we're gonna to still do the verses that we talked about, but um, there are two differences in today's show. The first one is that we are not have not yet met with the group that we normally meet with to speak about the verses, which is our group of pastors that that from whence the idea for this show came. So and we are deprived of our preparation, infinite, yeah, infinite wisdom of our aged and esteemed colleagues. Uh, so we, we we will be talking to them after recording. As opposed to normally we talk to them before recording. So it may be a little bit flying by the seat of our pants. The other thing is I'm going to go ahead and put in a, um, not spoiler, but I'll go ahead and and say that I may be a little bit distracted because tomorrow morning at early as crap in the morning, I'm going to be, well, I'm not going to do much at all. I'm just going to stand there. I'll probably take some pictures. But... Uh, Christy, the wife to whom I am married, is going to be giving birth to our second son, who, unless we change our minds, will be named Ezra. And so I may be a little distracted today. We might talk about that later, but I'm just going to throw that out there in case I sound distracted that you know you don't need to call 911 and say, hey, uh, Canton Police Department, go across the parking lot and check on court or anything like that. Um, Do I have permission to record a podcast without you? Yeah, if you want to. We'll see. If you say, I, we'll you say see without me or about me? Without you. It, Either one's fine. Okay. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. I don't know. Um, congratulations. Next, thank you. By next Thursday, I'll probably be so bored being at home that we can just do it anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, so, do you, Did you choose uh, a, a middle name yet? I'm just curious. We'll probably have... We'll come back around that. So, here's what I suggest. You'll see the, see the infant and then make the call? See if it fits. Yeah. I, I don't know how you do that because... Again, we'll come back to this, but I will make this statement. Most babies kind of look the same, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little just wrinkly. Bloody and yeah. covered well, in when they first come out, yeah. yeah. Have you ever, you ever seen one, like, right after? Uh-uh. Oh, my gosh. Um, I recommend everybody do that. You can you probably Google pictures, but... Um, I won't be Googling <laughs> pictures of that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I was, I was looking into this stuff, because I always do heading into... Always do. It's the second time and last time. Um... But I was looking at, you know, images of, like, you know, what to expect kind of things. And um, there are people that are, like, certified live birth photographers. So they get everything. Hmm. And, oh, man, it's kind of gross. But anyway, uh, we'll we'll circle back around. Put that on your Christmas card. We should. We should. We'll circle back around. Ezra uh, hanging upside down from the womb. That's what, what, when Gideon was born. I guess we're not going to circle back around. So when Gideon was born, they did a C-section, and they're doing that this time. So that's how I know when it's going to happen because yeah. they scheduled it. Because I am Court Green, and I schedule everything. Anyway, when Gideon was part. removed from the uterus of Christy, it was like they just like yanked him out by a leg and an arm. It's like, <laughs> and then I hope that picked up on the microphone. And, yeah. it's, and it's, it's just like... Just like you described, just yeah. like hanging there, yeah, there's yeah. stuff dripping off. And of if you're not breathing, they it's spank not you. this cuddly. <laughs> they don't. I don't think they spank them anymore. They kind of rub them, but oh. it's not this cuddly, warm, cute experience. It's 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 a violent um, carnage. Is what it is. 
So we might circle but back around to that again. Th- th- no more, no more birth. Okay, yeah, that it. we yeah. can do. That's we're here. Yeah. Um, no more birth talk unless we well, come back around to it and find a theological reason to talk about it. Well, but, we, we wish you um, and Christy and Ezra all the health and safety and protection, and we'll pray that over you. Thank you. Yeah. We're headed to Jeremiah. Yes, we are. And uh, last week we talked about. We, we were in Isaiah, and he ended his prophecy with, or his uh, depiction of the heavenly throne room mm-hmm. with a curious line, which was verse 13 of chapter 6 of Isaiah, even if one-tenth remain there, there will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak, which when it is cut down leaves a stump, and its stump is a holy seed. We acknowledged last week that that, that turn of phrase seems to be packed with some meaning that we didn't really get into too much except to say that uh, uh, Gideon refers to these as mother stumps and you have probably seen one around. Gideon refers to my son not the oh, character yeah. in Judges. Yes, yeah. Gideon the son of Court Green has referred to these as mother stumps and here in Jeremiah this week we have um, we have some trees and shrubs to consider, and so I thought that this theme could uh, be something that we explore a little bit. I agree, and thought it was a good idea, so we're ready. You want me to read? Please. Jeremiah seventeen five through 10. Now, this is not the calling of Jeremiah. This is part of the message, and we often talk about the calling and the struggles of Jeremiah, but we rarely talk about his message, so I'm glad we get to do this. Jeremiah seventeen five through 10 says... Thus says the Lord, Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when the heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart to give to all according to their ways, according to the fruit of their doings. Thus ends the reading. So from start to finish, even if you forget about, or not forget about, but don't hone in on the mother stump versus the cursed stump, it's packed with good stuff. Yeah. Tell me what you noticed as you read. Well, right off, uh, I was drawn to the word curse hmm. because this is a message from God. At this stage in Jeremiah, it's to a people who don't believe that the curse is coming for them. Do you have a sense of the context here? Because I'm, yes. I'm a little bit fuzzy on it. So this is people who have watched the Assyrians cart off the northern kingdom of the, of Israel. Mm-hmm. This is the southern kingdom of Judah. This is when they were divided Israel. And Jeremiah is trying to warn them. But two things are going on. First, they're aware that the Babylonians are coming. That the heat is on. But they were spared. This is still the first thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. They were spared the plague of the Assyrians 
And after that, they start thinking, huh, we must be good, and God doesn't want anyone to overthrow us like they did those evil northerners. No offense. But um, we must be the holy stump. We, in other words, we can't be overtaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's the first thing. So they, they're kind of big on themselves, mm-hmm. thinking it's because God won't allow it. Mm-hmm. So no matter what we do, obviously we're pre- pleasing God, so let's just keep doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, so let's see, we had... Cursed are those who trust in humans, who depend on human strength. We haven't got there yet, though. Oh, yeah, we have. Because that, that's what, this is Jeremiah's message to this okay, group yeah, of yeah, people the other who thing. remain. I remember the other okay. thing. They had just had a really good year. Hmm. They had just been blessed with this in, under the rule of the king that was in charge, and I don't remember his name. Um, and that's that may be why you get the imagery of the two shrubs. Because in addition to the fact that they felt untouchable politically, militarily, they had just had a banner year as far as being blessed by the produce of the ground and their toil. Hmm. And so they're like, obviously, we have been blessed so much. I don't want to hear what you have to say, Jeremiah. Because, and and you're going to come talking about curses? Look around. Mm -hmm. We got it good. Yeah. And if you don't hear echoes of that in America in the 20th and 21st centuries, you're in trouble, really, since World War II. Mm-hmm. We have had blessing upon blessing upon blessing, and we start to think this is how you get the rise of uh, Christian white nationalism, for instance. Mm-hmm. I'm taking this into a place that I didn't intend to. That's fine. Go there. But you start to think, well, we must be favored by God. That means we're untouchable. Mm. That means whatever we're doing must be right. Mm -hmm. And you start redefining what is good by what are we doing. Yeah. Uh, And and when you you think, well, when you try to imagine an image of what is moral, what is ethical, what is good, what is righteous, these are kind of synonyms, synonyms, but not really, because they're all just a little bit different enough, and I want to get an all-encompassing picture, you start to see yourself. Hmm. Which means that when you try to think what is cursed, what is unethical, what is immoral, what is wrong, yeah, you start to define others out of righteousness if you're not like me, which is good, which is wholesome, which is pure, which is ethical, then you mm. must be evil. Right. It's just and it's this, real easy for atrocities to happen at that point. Yeah, it's this thing that humans do where we uh, we get really good at defining the we, but then there's always a them that yeah is uh, that we create when we do that. And Christ does something really interesting there. I want to get into that later, but um, yeah, we have to to quote Chance the Rapper. We have to know the difference between blessings and worldly possessions. I've heard Chance the Rapper in a while. Well, you Good need reference. to. You need to. So, and uh, it sounds like this people that Jeremiah is addressing had forgotten the difference between blessings and possessions and worldly possessions. They had a good harvest, and maybe, you know, all good things come from God, that's true. 
and and yet like they may not be seeing the whole picture here yeah so he's gonna paint them an alternative view it's like a it's like this he's gonna reframe it for them it's like well he's he is reframing and in a way he's reminding them and they don't want to hear it but they need to hear it and so do we that the world is bigger than them mm. I love my mother-in-law very much but one of the things that I don't want to say it's frustrating I just find, kind of find it comical about her is to her and many other people in Cleveland County the world stops at Highway 18 like like if it's outside of Cleveland County it don't exist mm. which is funny because <clears throat> none of her kids live in Cleveland County but um you know, it it's not to that point really, but it almost seems like that. Yeah. Like, and and a lot of us are like that. Well, I used to live in Boston, and for folks who live in Boston, like anything in Western Massachusetts or beyond really doesn't exist. Yeah. And my friend, who's from South Dakota, um, is is fond of of, of stirring stirring up a ruckus by by describing New York as the most. Uh, the most parochial place that he's ever been to and people are like this is the big apple this is the 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 city of civilization but the thing is like if you if you live in a big city sometimes you get to to start to feel or think that like this is the center yeah this is where everything happens and that's why they call the rest of the world flyover country right mm-hmm. yeah and so i mean but we're all like that mm. like how often do we in western north carolina mountains ever stop to think, well, how does what we do affect people in Kinston, North Carolina? Or how does, you know, we might complain... If you drink beer from Mother Earth Brewing, then it does affect Kinston. I don't understand that reference. That's um, where the brewery is, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I just was throwing out an... I think that's out east, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was just throwing out an eastern North Carolina reference. But, you know, we don't think about stuff like that. Right. Uh, So the world is bigger than we think it is and God reminds them getting us back to the verses God reminds them through it through Jeremiah that what you think is real and always will be may not be Uh, the world's bigger than you and things are happening that you can't control and when you are in the to quote Daryl Waltrip catbird seat you're the one when you think you have I don't know that reference but you just go with it when you think that you're the one in charge, you can control your own destiny. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear that maybe you're not and you don't. Yeah. And that things are coming that you don't like and can't manipulate. So Jeremiah levels this this curse on on those who depend on human strength and turn their. Um, Let's see, cursed are those who trust in, in mere humans who depend on human strength and turn their hearts from the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Okay, so there, there's a, mess, uh, a reference to which direction their hearts are oriented. And at the end of this passage, he's going to come back around to talking about hearts, that God is able to probe the hearts and discern hidden motives. So to see really what the, and I love the, the New Revised Standard Version language that you use, because uh, the last line of verse 10 says um, God will be able to um, assess the fruits of their doings. or well, Assess them according to the fruits of their doings. Yes. yes. Common English misses that fruit analogy by 
translating it, the consequences of their deeds. Should we talk about the trees before we talk about the fruits that they're doing? Yes, so I'm just presenting that as a frame. We're talking about the human heart here uh, at the beginning and the end. And in the middle, Jeremiah offers these two contrasting images. The people who depend on human strength and turn their hearts away from God will be like a desert shrub that doesn't know when relief comes and will live in parched places of the wilderness and in a barren land where no one survives. But those who trust in the Lord and who rely on the Lord, they will be like trees planted by streams whose roots reach down to the water. They don't fear when drought comes and their leaves will remain green. They won't be stressed in the time of drought or fail to bear fruit. So what do you think, you know, these are metaphors, which we can clearly see the difference, but wh what is it like for a human to, to be like a desert shrub or like a tree planted by the water? In my opinion, um, you work on this. It's, it's, it's not quite chiastic, but you work from the outside in. Mm -hmm. So this is an image framed by these two images of the curse and the blessing. And so the curse is given to those who depend on just ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we can only do so much. Yeah. We cannot create life. We cannot really very well sustain life. These are things for which we depend on God. Mm. Um, we certainly can't control what the rest of the world does and it seems like in verse 5 that's what they're doing which leads into the def the analogy that defines the curse in verse 6 yeah so, so the, I mean the desert gets rain too and if you does. Go, go ahead and google when um, whatever deserts get um, get a rainstorm I mean it's beautiful yeah there's this flourishing bloom yeah all these flowers and everything but so I think Jeremiah is saying, yeah, things are good now, but that doesn't change where your hearts are. Like you maybe just got a good rain in the desert, but your heart may be like a desert shrub if you're turned away from God. Let's talk about the desert shrub. Have you ever been spent any amount of time in a desert? A little bit. Okay. Which one? Uh, there's some desert regions in Ecuador that, okay. that I've been in. So I don't know what they're like. And I've been to... Uh, Egypt, but there's like no vegetation. There's yeah, just sand. Sahara so. is. You'll get some oasis every now and then. Yeah, but very few and far between. And then northern Nigeria has some like kind of very brushy sort of savanna type. Yeah. Um, Grasslands. Yeah. There's yeah. not much grass there. Too many yeah. cows. Prairies would be the Americanized version of grasslands, wouldn't it? I guess so. Anyway, um, so this desert, I assume because of where they are you're talking about the Negev the Negev yeah you're south of the Dead uh, Sea goes yeah. down southwest of of Judah mm -hmm. um and then and then you have the Sahara after the Sinai Peninsula so here I have been here and there is vegetation and it's scrubby and kind of gross yeah until you get to these various is it oases or is it oasis? I think oasis sounds right. Do you get to an oasis every now and then? Mm -hmm. uh, take out the plural so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. 
and then you see other stuff but but in the actual like like desert parts nastiness at least following the dead sea it's it's really bad like there's water mm. but it's useless mm. and i i can't help but think of that when I read the last sentence, they shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Mm. The Dead Sea is a salt yeah. sea. It's just more like a big river. Yeah. But and there's some life there. You can eke out a living in the desert, and uh, certainly the people of Israel were no strangers to doing that. What are the, what are the things called? Ibex. Ibex. There's, there's wild goats that run around there. And there's They're some awesome. There's birds and like lizards and stuff like that. Snakes. Snakes. Yeah. So there is some limited amount of life, and God does provide for creatures in the wilderness and in the and in the desert areas. But you know God's intention, which I think we see here in the second part, is is to bless the people whose hearts are turned toward God with such abundance that they never need to worry about anything. And we we see that with the next verse. So you talk about this this horrid existence when we try to do it on our own. Yeah, you can eke out just enough to survive, yeah. but you're not going to really bear fruit. You're right. not going to really get the most out of life. Yeah. And the next verse, verse 7, blessing. It starts off with blessing. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. So we've seen the curse, mm-hmm. eking out an existence that's not rewarding, mm. versus bless, and stop doing it on your own and trust in the Lord to bring you, you know, to be the giver of life, to bring the blessings, to to have the control and not you. Yeah. But if we trust in the Lord, we relinquish our control. That's a and hard that thing sucks. to do. It's a really hard thing to do. I mean, I just talked about how much I love planning and stuff. Yeah. Does that mean I'm a, I'm a desert shrub? Maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, we have some lessons to learn from trees here. I mean, think about the, the trees that that uh, that you're familiar with, ones that grow around your house or in your neighborhood or whatever, um, they don't get a choice on where to live. Nope. You know? Squirrel, they just Squirrel plops them in the ground or whatever. Yeah, they just they grow where they're planted, and they have to make do. Um, now, we're learning all kinds of stuff about trees, how, like, there's no self-sufficient creature. creature. Uh, I don't care what size or, or shape you are. And trees are no different. Even though they can't move, they have ways of, of, of sharing uh, resources with mm-hmm. one another. Um, carbon and, and other kinds of nutrients are transferred below the soil. They they are part of a community. That's A forest is a community. Um, <clears throat> but this metaphor of the tree planted by the water is something that comes up throughout the Bible, and it's a rich, it's a rich metaphor because God is both the planter because uh, it says those are trees who are planted by streams. You know, human beings have the ability to move trees. Yeah. And we're made in God's image, right? And so God, so in this here, this metaphor, we have God who's able to transplant us into a place, maybe it's a spiritual place, maybe it's a physical place, where, where or maybe it's a mental place, you know, where we don't have to depend on that control anymore. And notice where it's planted, where it will get its needs met. By the water. Yeah. Yeah. So where else, uh, just Bible trivia, do we see trees planted by the water, Corey? You mean 
Oh, in here? In scripture. Oh. I didn't know. Well, Psalm 1, which is also in the lectionary for today. Oh, I didn't read it, though. Okay, well, that <laughs> there's a, you know, Psalm 1, um, trees planted by the water is a, is a reference there. Um, uh, verse 3, they are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. And all that they do, they prosper. Okay. Uh, then if we go back even further, um, Genesis, there's a tree in a garden. I don't know if we there's don't water know if there's by the river, though. you got to imagine that there's everything that that tree needs to be bearing such fruit. Then Are we you talking jump, about life or good and evil? Well, there's... Yes. Yes, both of them. <laughs> both of them grow. Yeah. Both trees grow. And then jump all the way to the end, Revelation 22... We have in the New Jerusalem. In the New Jerusalem, then the angel showed me the river of life-giving water, shining like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb through the middle of the city street. On each side of the river is the tree of life, which produces twelve crops of fruit, bearing its fruit each month. The tree's leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. So there was a tree that was not planted, uh, and at the top of this mountain that I go to, to um, it, it's really it was I was given access to it for hunting, but really all I'm hunting with is a camera, so I use it to get pictures of nature for my blog, uh, which is at courtgreen.com. No, just kidding. But if you want to another shameless plug, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Anyway, so at the very top of this mountain, we don't have advertising on our podcast, so you may as well just I, what am I gonna pay myself? <laughs> so at the very top of this this mountain. There are three oak trees. There are actually a lot of trees up there. But these tree oak, three oak trees, they have very wide stumps. And then, but they're not that tall, the, the stumps. But the limbs hmm. just go out forever. Like, the limbs are much longer than the stump is tall. Hmm. I mean, trunk? humongous. Trunk or stump? Trunk. I'm sorry. That's okay. Well, I was just trying We've to imagine. We've been saying mother stump and it got me. I'm just up. trying to imagine that the stump has branches on it. No, no, no. Okay. So it, it's, a, it's a legit trunk. It sounds like maybe a live oak. I, I know they that are live, oaks. live oaks have those huge No, like, like at the beach, no. They're okay. not. They're okay. not like that. They're, they're white oaks. Okay. And they're, they're humongous. And they're tall, but, but their limbs just go on forever. And so I asked the guy who owns the land. You know, what is up with those trees? Because the rest of the oak trees are like straight, hmm. you know, and they go straight up. He said they grew first. Hmm. So they had had it log, it was pasture, and they kind of let it go. Yeah. I mean, it was intentionally done. Um, and so they let it go feral or whatever. And fallow, I think, is the word for when it's crops, not land, animals. Land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they let nature take its course. Yep. And these three trees were the first ones to come up. And so they didn't have to get tall to get to the light. Mm-hmm. And instead, they just branched out. Yeah. And they're beautiful. Mm. And they're amazing. And the amount of acorns they make, because they can get so much light. Right. Which is what they turn into food. Mm-hmm. Is just astounding. And yeah. these massive acorns, like the size of like a strawberry. And I'm mm. not even exaggerating. And... I think there's something to be said about being able to bear fruit because you have what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, they bear so much fruit because their needs are met. They're not doing anything to meet their needs. 
ones. Now, mm-hmm. in this case, they just happen to be the first ones up. Mm-hmm. But I think that says a lot to this to this tree that was planted where it can have all its need met. Because mm-hmm. you got all these other scrubby little oaks. They're the same variety of tree. Yeah. But they're not going to make it. Why? Because they're not getting their needs met. Well, they're not going to spread out the way... These but shoots, I'm just they, saying they, they don't produce have. as much fruit. Yeah, I was going for the fruit there. Definitely. Um, acorns we don't think of them as fruit, but to a, to an oak tree they're fruit. It's a fruit. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I th- I think what we do to ourselves, and it's kind of a self fulfilling curse, mm. the original curse in these verses. Yeah. What we do to ourselves when we try to control everything. Yeah. Is we are like one of these smaller trees that. In our, in our trying to control everything, we are limiting the resources to which we have access. Yeah. We are limiting to what we can provide. Yeah. Which is not that great. Hmm. At least for myself. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think about this in the larger sense in terms of the human population on this planet. And, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, t- are worried about overpopulation and crowding. And, uh, you know, I think that there's some warrant there, but only because we're not living the way we should be. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if this is where you're going, but if you think, because I worry about that. Mm. When you think about how rapidly mm. population has increased, in my lifetime, we've gone from 6 billion to 7 billion, more than 7 billion. We'll be almost 10 billion soon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, I haven't been allowed alive that long, 40 years. Yeah. Um, so I, I have worried about that. And then it dawns on me how much food we produce, how many resources we have as a global society. Mm-hmm. The problem is access. Yeah. The problem is what we do with it. Right. If you can monetize it, we'll put a price tag on it. Yeah. And so we have a, so much food that we're wasting it mm. while others are starving. Yeah. So, like, you know, again, us trying to control everything is limiting our ability to bear the fruits of being human on the planet earth and if you so from my you know my study of permaculture and agriculture and stuff like that things that are really that i really care about um if you look at calories per acre uh we're actually not doing very great in terms of production even with all of our advanced methods and everything uh the forest does way better because it's got so many different plants that are that feeds so many different types of animals, and uh, versus us who plant one crop, one crop, yeah, yeah. and and it, it it dawned on me the other day that like right now when we think about human impact on the on the environment and the climate, it's like pretty much a negative thing. Like it's a almost like we are a curse upon mm-hmm. the earth, but God doesn't intend us for us to be a curse God intends us to be a blessing and I think you referenced Revelation 22 yeah there is promise in the future go ahead so if we lived into that where each human being actually took as a responsibility to tend the land that we're on whatever that is it could be just our neighborhood a lot of folks don't own land and that's okay too but to increase the flourishing of life there to provide for all of the animals to increase the calories per acre that's produced then all of a sudden having human beings on this planet becomes a blessing because when you when the human population is actually doing their 
responsibility to care for the creation, you can actually, actually having more people is better, or it could be better. I think that's the goal of God is to see us care for the world in such a way that the entire world becomes a garden. And has been since we were in the garden. If you look at, I think it's in Genesis 3, there's this verse, I think, I think we've talked about this on here before, but it talks about how God had created this, that, and the other, so it wasn't three, it was maybe one or two, and had not yet put fruit-bearing trees on the earth. Why? Because the humans had not been made yet to create them, to tend them. Mm-hmm. So we have always been intended for, at least according to Genesis, this role of joining God and caring for the earth. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, by the way, I feel bad now because uh, I had this plan. What? The land I have in Shelby, I was going to clear it and put put an apple orchard in. Yeah. Which I thought would be good because I like apples and so do animals. But now I'm like, well, the forest does a better job at calories per acre than me. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to do that now. Well, you can plant apples in and a And then gill. just let the un, uh, undergrowth grow up underneath yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. But, but don't just plant apples. Plant pears. Plant hazelnut shrubs. Well, I plan on putting hair, pears too because you got to cross pollinate. blueberry shrubs. I mean... The way that you can interplant so that there's you're producing different, like you know, the tree of life at the end is producing in every season, and I think that that's you know I see the possibility there of us like really allowing this planet to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go to another planet and colonize, that's fine, but let it be an not let, in our lifetime, man. No, but let it be an outgrowth of how abundant the production of earth has been and how um, how prevalent the the love of each of, of all of creation has become that we need to expand because we have so much to offer the the the, uh, the solar system so, instead of like this desert mentality of like there's not enough here there's not enough here we have to go somewhere else so the goal is to franchise earth instead of fleeing earth yeah 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 so I want to bring this back around to what we talked about at the beginning. You're in a particularly um, uh, critical moment in your life, about to have your second child. Mm-hmm. Um, at 40. At four, you're 40 years old? I'm 40 years old. Okay. The so, oldest dad ever. Go ahead. That's okay. I probably will be an old dad, too, So <laughs> if I am a dad at some point. Um, in many cultures, this... Like, at this moment when you're about to have a child is when you would go, well, for example, in Shuar culture in, in uh, eastern Ecuador, mm-hmm. and I know this because I was a Peace Corps volunteer, I had friends there, if you were about to have a kid, like, this is when you would go off with the guys and take ayahuasca mm-hmm. and then decide what what your life as a father was going to be about. Now, Do you want to define ayahuasca? It's a... It's a hallucinogenic combination okay, yeah. of two plants. All right. Um, we'll do that later. We, yeah, that's optional. <laughs> but the, the, the moment is important for reflection. And I wonder, you know, if, you know, using this passage, you see this, this, these, these sort of choices, right? The desert shrub versus the, the tree planted by the water. From your own experience, like what would be your guidance for Ezra as far as how to live into uh, into that blessing. 
That's a good question. And uh, it's one that confronts me because if I think about going into tomorrow versus eight years ago mm. when Gideon came into the earth, one of the things that I tried to do, and to my and his detriment probably, was I was going to control everything. Mm. I was determined that this kid was going to be safe at all costs, that um, I was going to make sure that he had everything he needed growing up. You know, it, it, not, not bad things. Not, yeah. know, I'm going to crack the whip and he's going to listen. No kid does that. Just but, you wanted everything to go well yeah, and yeah. to go correct. And but it, it was about me controlling it. Yeah, and I ended up bringing stress into the marriage, into Gideon's life, and into my life, which is, of course, all tied together, because I was I was following the path that leads to the tree in the de- the shrub in the desert, hmm. which I mean they may both have been, but the shrub in the desert that's in the salt mm-hmm. relying because on I was trying to rely on me human strength yeah yeah and it took a long time for me to realize that and, and in some ways we're still getting there we're a work in progress but it took a long time for me to realize that these things are just beyond my control hmm. I can do my best yeah. I can just be there and I think learning that lesson in many and well being that curse hmm. to put it in a more Jeremiah-esque way has hopefully shown me as we head into to tomorrow that I can be okay with not being in control hmm. and that's what trusting in God is about really yeah. I mean, I gotta, you got to do your part mm-hmm. I'm not going to say okay welcome to the world you're on your own God will take care of it well that's neglect Right, but instead of being this, I wasn't a helicopter parent. I thought I was. Hmm. Turned out I was a lawnmower parent, <laughs> which is I'm just going to take down every obstacle hmm. if I can because yeah. I don't want to ever see you get hurt. Right. Period. Yeah. Well, that was stupid. Now the boy doesn't know how to handle it if he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, potentially would grow up not knowing how to handle it if he got hurt. And so, uh, I, I think I've learned more in that experience heading into this one about how to relinquish control and to allow myself to trust in God Hmm. and others and community and teachers, Mm -hmm. other people in your kid's life, that it's okay if I don't have all the answers. It's okay if I don't make everything, I don't want to say easier because I've always wanted to challenge Gideon, but... uh, it's okay if I can't make everything all right. Yeah. Um, some of the tragedies that Gideon lived through uh, were the things that taught me that. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, he's hurting now. We all are. But then he goes on. And so do we. And it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think with Ezra, I'll probably be better at not starting off the wrong way because of that experience. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, we, we have to remember you know, that God planted humans, Adam and Eve, in this garden. Mm-hmm. Now, did Adam and Eve know for sure that, that, that God had already done five days of work 
to get ready to put them in this perfect place where they would have all of their needs provided for? Probably not. They probably like they probably figured that out once they got expelled from the garden. Maybe. <laughs> They're like, "Oh shoot. Like we actually had everything we needed when God put us there." And but we do have to remember that God plants us and is able to transplant us mm-hmm. into where God can provide for us. So they had everything that they needed, but verse 9, the heart is devious above all else. Mm. It is perverse. And here's the part that I love. Because you mentioned verse 10, but verse 9 feeds it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Who can understand it? Mm-hmm. So that question's hanging there. Yeah. And Who we are understand? thinking, well, no one. And then God, through Jeremiah, answers it. The Lord. Yeah. Okay. I, the Lord. I, the Lord. That's the next line. That's the answer. But no one else. Mm -hmm. So you have been relying on yourself, but there's a problem with that. Because you can't understand the heart. By this, they mean the soul, like motives, Mm -hmm. um, rationale, things like that. I, the Lord, test the mind and search the heart. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. To give to all according. That is what leads to the phrase that you love so much. Uh, to give to God according to their ways. Why? Because I understand them. Not what they present, but what's actually there. Um, not I, but God. Mm-hmm. According to the fruit of their doings. So what you do is what shows God what's truly in your heart. Yeah. We can be that big oak on top of the mountain that spreads out and bears lots of fruit. But it's going to take trusting God to get us there. Um and not trying to control everything and pretend that we are God. Because yeah. if you, you keep bringing up the Garden of Eden, isn't that where we really went wrong, humanity? If, if you look at Adam and Eve as the first, as the, not epitome, the prototype humans, mm-hmm. isn't that where we went wrong, trying to replace our need for God with ourselves? Yeah. If I can eat this fruit, then I will be able to do the one thing that separates me from being like God. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I won't need God anymore. Yeah. But I also think that in that we see the promise of and the calling of what we need to do in order to get back there. Which is? Just to rely on God. Is to, is to, it, it is to acknowledge and to, is to acknowledge that everything that we need God can supply and to participate in that by by being God's image in the world by providing for not just our families and our friends but for the creatures and animals that rely upon strangers our being here and the strangers people and, we don't like our enemies yeah 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 so i think that when we say rely on God it is and it's it's overused. Yeah. It's become a meme and it's something that people hear and we have lost our ability to know what it means. So I think that we need to define it. And I think the best way to do that, if we're going to throw out that phrase, mm-hmm. is to define it by what it's not. Mm. Which is, I hate that because I don't like when we define ourselves by what we are not. But I think it is perfect to define this phrase by by contrast mm-hmm. to depend on God is to relinquish control of yourself to rely on God is to not 
seek the power and the control and the wealth so that you no longer need God. Yeah. But that temptation is always there. It sure is. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Self-sufficiency. Bootstraps. Is a, well, I love this. I saw this scribbled on a wall somewhere, pro- probably by someone who is disabled. It said self-sufficiency is an ableist uh, fallacy or an ableist um, construction. That is some, uh, some high-class graffiti, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been in a city. I yeah. don't know. But, uh, but the, the, the idea is there is that we're not, no, no one is self-sufficient. And, and some people are more able to be self-sufficient than others, but what happens when everybody who is able to be self-sufficient goes ahead and just provides for themselves? Well, then yeah. everyone and every creature that's not self-sufficient um, ends up being, uh, you know, under-resourced, ignored, marginalized. And once we turn our hearts to God and we see that, like, everything that we have we really have to rely on God for it then maybe that actually that turning of our hearts actually turns us into the kind of people who are able to bear fruit in yeah. all seasons yeah that's the dream that's the dream for Pastor Potluck I'm Peter Constantian and I'm Court Green and I appreciate you listening peace peace <laughs>